There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. This is Brother Chuck Barnes. And I pastor the Tremont Baptist Church on Mount Desert Island on the coast of Maine. And I'm thankful for Brother Tim McVeigh and the privilege to speak and preach today on his Daily Doctrine podcast. Brother McVeigh has been in our church a number of times, and we've always enjoyed his preaching. He's had a great ministry, and we pray for him often. And I encourage everyone to listen to this podcast and support it as you're financially able to do so. Today I want to look at a passage in the book of Song, Solomon's Song, or the Song of Solomon, chapter number 3. Solomon is credited with being the human author of three different books in our Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. It's been said that Solomon perhaps wrote this book, the book of Ecclesiastes, later in life as an older man reflecting back over Some misspent years, and the theme of that experience is found where he records a number of times, vanity, vanity, all is vanity, and it reveals his hurt. A.W. Tozier once said, few men run well to the end of their course. And I would pray if you're listening to this podcast today that you would run well to the end of your course. Solomon, of course, also wrote the book of Proverbs, which reveals his head, so to speak. Uh, This was written in the middle of his life. He's walking with the Lord. He's serving the Lord. He's at the zenith of his wisdom and godly experience in life. And a key verse there would be one, uh, chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then we come to this Solomon's song or the song of Solomon, and it reveals his heart. Uh, He wrote 1,005 songs. This is the only one that the Spirit of God has inspired. And it reflects uh, perhaps a younger man uh, whose uh, outlook on life is one of courting and marriage and spousal intimacy, and, and those things stand paramount in his life. And I believe the key verse in this book, uh, it's a book of eight chapters, 117 verses, is found in chapter number three, verse number three. And I'm just going to touch on several verses today, but this is a key verse. And the last part of that verse uh, is the Shulamite is speaking out of 18 different characters in this book. Two are uh, primary characters, Solomon Of course, he's a type, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the Shulamite. The Shulamite is a picture of the Spirit-filled saint of God. And so the Song of Solomon reveals his heart 
It is uh, poetry, imagery, uh, just a lot of things go on in this book. Uh, but she says, the Shulamite says, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth. And so it's a book that's filled with terms of endearment, uh, intimacy, uh, great um, revealing of the love that she had for Solomon and, and Solomon's love for her. And so we, we need to look at that in very pure eyes, very clean eyes. Uh, it's a tough challenge sometimes today. People have been raised on Hollywood and they, they kind of view everything through that prism. But may I remind you that under the pure, all things are pure. And that's what we ought to look at in this book of the Song of Solomon or Solomon's Song. And so we have this relationship that exists between Solomon, who is Christ, and the Shulamite, who is the saved, spirit-filled saint. And before we get too far, let me take you back to chapter number one and verse number four. And there we have what I believe is the conversion experience of the Shulamite, where she says those first two words, draw me. You know, Jesus Christ said that if I be lifted up, I shall draw all men unto me. Not just elect men, but all men. Every man on the face of this earth right now, Jesus Christ died for. And he wants to draw them to himself. But somewhere along the line, we need to say, so to speak, a commitment, a surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ, where we say and we cry out, draw me. Uh, yes, I surrender. Uh, she has the, the Shulamite described herself as black and comely and because of her exposure to the elements of this world. And certainly we ought to see ourselves as black in sin and the depravity of sin and our fallen nature has, has corrupted us. And it's just amazing to me that Jesus Christ would seek after us and would draw us. It's amazing to me that he would stay after us. And then finally, we realize that his love is for us. And we realize that he's calling us as an individual. And we cry out unto him, draw me. I do not believe in a prescribed sinner's prayer. I believe people get saved uh, come into a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, differently. Uh, the man in the temple just beat upon his press, be merciful unto me, O God. Uh, the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? And the response was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the words that we speak, but it is this surrendering of ourselves, recognizing that we're sinners before an almighty God. And we ought to be living a drawn life. That is a commitment for life. The Bible says to work out your salvation. We don't work for it, but we work it out. It is a relationship that we're in. My wife and I, God bless us, she's, we've been married for 46 years. And I can say that our time together now is sweeter than it's ever been in our life. And But there was a day when I would... Uh, give terms of endearment to her, and I was trying to win her hard, and uh, finally one day I, I asked her the, to marry me, and she said yes, uh, to much to my surprise and, and, and blessing, and, and so we cemented that relationship at the marriage altar, and, 
and we've just been in a drawn life. We have faced troubles and, and tribulation over the over these 46 years, but we are committed to each other. The most important thing that a Christian can have is his relationship with Jesus Christ. It ought to be a drawn relationship. It ought to be a loving relationship. The most important thing in my world is not soul winning. It is not church planting. It is not numbers. It is not service. It is my walk with the Lord. And I realize that much of this present hour is based upon a horizontal type of Christianity, which revolves around service and numbers and results and Often we find churches that are run on a business model. But there's a great need for a vertical Christianity, which is communion with God, and the church is run as a shepherd flock model. Years ago, they got off base, but many years ago, there was a movement called the Higher Life, and then it came to be known as the Deeper Life, and Keswick Theology, and all of that stuff, and Men got on board with that because they were devoted to just a, a love for Christ. And like I say, they got off a little bit on that, but we need to get back to just having a plain, old-fashioned, I love God, I'm enjoying my walk with God, I'm in fellowship with Him, and we just need to enjoy God in life. You know, you can hold all the correct doctrine that you want to, but it could be all light and no heat. It can be no heart. It can be without devotion, without zeal, without uh, a feeling of, uh, I love God. We ought to preach the glories of Christ, and we ought to preach the grace of Christ. But there's this Shulamite. She came into this relationship with Solomon. And Solomon, again, was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and uh, any time that he was not nearby, she was looking for him. And she says, saw ye him whom my soul loveth. Let me ask you a question today. Have you seen him lately? Have you seen the Lord Jesus Christ whom your soul loveth? I realize the hymn writer Sarah Adams said, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross that raiseth me. All my songs shall be nearer, my God, to thee, nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee. You know, we, that's what we need. We need to have a heart that desires to be near uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have this Shulamite woman here, and she's just looking for Solomon. And, and for some reason, she says in verse number three there, the watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth. The watchmen here are a type of pastors or a type of preachers. And every preacher today has a great responsibility to be vigilant in being a watchman for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have to watch for false doctrine. We have to watch for compromise. We have to watch for modern versions sneaking into our churches. We have to watch against a lack of separation among the saints of God. We have a great responsibility 
The darkness is settling upon the city, and these watchmen are peering into the darkness, looking for whatever may be a danger on the horizon, and they're watching within the city walls to see if there's someone in there that does not belong in there, and maybe they're spreading some false truths some false information. And this Shulamite, this spirit-filled saint of God, goes and asks them a question, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? And I want you to pause and think about their response. There was none. You know, sometimes us preachers, we can get caught up in, in just being on guard all the time. And we miss the Lord Jesus Christ. We're like that blind beggar sitting at the city of Jericho and someone had to see Jesus of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, passeth by. And when I get in my pulpits on Sunday, I don't want people just to see someone there who is there with sterile doctrine, soundness without empathy, uh, doctrine without devotion. I want them to see here's a man that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a man that goes down to his little cabin down in the woods behind his house week after week and walks those trails and tells God, I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll open up an old hymn book in my little cabin and I'll sing the praises of Zion. I want them to know that there's a preacher there, there's a pastor there that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I have failed him a number of times, but I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. I want to take you before I, just, just hitting some things here in this book of Solomon. And go to chapter number six, if you would, and it's just it's just loaded with uh, love being expressed back and forth between the spirit-filled uh, Shulamite woman and Solomon, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse chapter chapter number six, verse number twelve, just another one of those little mountain peaks in this book. She says, "Wherever I was aware, my soul made me like the chariots." of Aminadab. You know, the chariots of Aminadab, uh, we can't be too uh, specific about what was being mentioned here, but we do know this, those chariots brought her soul into the presence of the king. The last two chapters about this book is about an exchange between Solomon and the Shulamite. And I'm mindful that one day the Lord's coming back. And if it's the rapture, all the saints of God are going to get on board one of those chariots of Aminadab, and we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. But I'm also mindful of the fact that for each one of us, if we don't go home by way of the rapture, we'll go home by way of the grave. And one day that chariot of Aminadab is going to come by, and it's going to grab my soul. I'm going to step on board. And I'm going to be, my next uh, departure is going to be, I'm going to leave this old world. I'm going to be there in heaven talking to my Savior, talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those words of love and endearment and praise and glory that I've given him over these 65 years, I'm going to be able to say him to speak him to his face and feel his embrace and feel the touch of his body as he embraces me as I go into heaven. You know, this chariots of Aminadab, I'm mindful 
just about 10 days ago, my brother, who's a Christian, I remember a special evangelistic meeting at the State Armory in Augusta, Maine, back in 1969, the winter of 69. And how during the invitation time, he met with the preacher that was down front there, and he placed his faith and surrendered his soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. My brother David, he left that meeting. It wasn't too long. He found himself in Vietnam. And he came back with scars from that conflict. But just about 10 days ago, he stepped on board one of those chariots of Aminadab. And his soul is now in the presence of the one whom he loved. And may I say that that day is coming for all of us. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not in that drawn relationship, where you've cried out to God Almighty and you said, draw me. And you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. May you do that today. I'm thankful for the preachers. I've been preaching now, been in the my hand on the plow for 43 years here in the state of Maine. And in that course of time, I've seen 15 different preachers who've gotten on board one of those chariots of Amenadam. And I thank God for their faithfulness. Now they stayed faithful to Christ down through the years, through the lean times and the good times. I've known a couple that have quit. We all do. For some reason, they got out of the race. But I'm thankful for those watchmen that had a love for the Lord Jesus Christ and been faithful. They are an example unto me. But have you seen him whom my soul loveth? John saw him as a water of life. He saw him as a light of the world. He saw him as a good shepherd. He saw him as the vine. John the Baptist said, I see him as a lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Mary, who stood there at the uh, graveside, seeth the two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet with the body of Jesus laid. That tomb was a type of a mercy seat, and that mercy seat in the most holy place in the tabernacle, there was two angels that overlooked that mercy seat, and where Jesus had lain, it had become a mercy seat, and we see that pictured in Scripture. Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. David saw him in creation. Behold, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth his handiwork. Day unto day out of their speech, and night unto night sheweth knowledge. Stephen said at his martyr's death, I saw the heavens open. You know, John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Over and over in Scripture. We find men and women that love the Lord Jesus Christ. We love God. David said, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Let me ask you today, have you seen him who my soul loveth? Let me ask you this, are you in a drawn relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me ask you, and just mention once again, it won't be long for the chariots of Amenadab will find you. Maybe in the rapture, maybe in death. May God be merciful to us 
And may we call upon his blessed name and walk in a sweet, sweet fellowship with him all our days. God bless you. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home.